Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I wanted to talk about something that I suppose we've never spoken about on the show before, which is postnatal depression, which, if left unattended to, can become postpartum psychosis. Now, as a man, I think it would be fair to say that I probably will never completely understand it because, obviously, I'm not a woman. I haven't had a baby. I haven't had all those hormones rushing around me. And I don't know exactly what it's like or what that feeling is like. Only the, I suppose, the testimony of other women that I've spoken to. In saying that, I think it's important for all men listening today to try to understand as best we can, why a woman feels a certain way after she has a baby. And with that in mind, I want to give a little bit of airtime to the women listening today to come on air and explain, you know, what or what they go through after they have a baby. Now, I'm not singling women out. There is obviously, you know, the men's side of things too, trying to help your partner out in whatever way you possibly can, trying to understand your partner, what it was like to deal with a partner who was going through, I suppose, uh, postnatal depression. And postnatal depression is a term used for depression that some women experience in the first year after having a baby. Symptoms of postnatal depression may start as baby blues, as Tara said earlier on, and then get worse. Uh, the symptoms may take some time to develop, and postnatal depression may not be obvious at first, but it can last up to four to six months. And postnatal depression can last longer than that as well, if not treated. Uh, and considerably longer if it turns into something like postpartum psychosis, which is quite dangerous. And postnatal depression occurs in approximately 10 to 15% of women within the first year of giving birth. Uh, more so, it seems to be, on the first birth of a child. It's much more common, I suppose, in those uh, senses. Now, postpartum psychosis is quite rare and is a very severe form of postnatal depression. And it's also called postnatal or pure or perinatal uh, psychosis. Uh, postpartum psychosis happens within the first few weeks after giving birth. It can be as early as two to three days after childbirth. And you are most at risk from po- postpartum psychosis if you already have mental health conditions like bipolar disorder or maybe you have schizophrenia or other such mental health problems like that. You're probably more at risk. But I want to talk about postnatal depression. And, you know, what it was like for you. Around 50% of the set of new mothers in Ireland will experience postnatal depression. And I remember talking to a friend going back a long time ago. And she said to me when her first baby was born for the first three months, she hated the baby. She actually hated the baby. That's the way she felt. But she loved the baby. And she loved being a mother. But she hated the baby. And then cried her eyes out three or four months later and hugged this baby to death, wondering why she hated it so much. She didn't know why she hated it. It's something that people just don't understand. Although becoming a parent is a wonderful time and an experience, the birth of a baby brings so many changes to your life. New babies are hard to work with. Uh, constant demands of feeding, particularly if you're breastfeeding, bathing, crying, putting the baby to sleep. This usually means you lose a lot of sleep, which can invariably have a huge effect on your mental health uh, problems as well. And a new mother is suddenly responsible 24 hours a day for another human being. And she loses the freedom she enjoyed before having the baby. It's easy for us men to say, well, we lose the freedom too, but we didn't really lose the freedom. Yes, we take part. Yes, we help our partners. Yes, we do look after the baby at times, but we can walk away from it in some sense, whereas women tend not to. And the sense of loss can contribute to that depression as well, the loss of the pregnancy, because women, you know, they're pregnant for nine months, all of a sudden they're not pregnant anymore. They've just had the baby. For some women, that can be an anticlimax in some sense. There are many, many other factors that contribute, uh, like their relationship with their partner, stressful life, stressful kind of life events, the experience of birth itself, and the images of what motherhood should be 
on social media and it's all lovely dovely and baby powder and nice smell, nice smelling babies you know sitting in you know in a hospital you always see this mother with makeup on Facebook and she looks wonderful and the baby looks wonderful and everybody's really happy when in real life it's not really always like that you know there can be complications so today I want to talk about your stories to help I suppose men listening more so than women and women who've never maybe had a baby or haven't had a baby yet to understand what postnatal depression can be. I think it's time we open a conversation around it. So what was your experience of postnatal depression? Uh, I want to go first of all to Breda if I can and Breda is a doula and for those people who don't know what a doula is, a doula is a woman who will generally assist a woman during her pregnancy and after her pregnancy. Uh, Breda, you're a classic kid. How are you doing Breda? Uh, Hi there Niall. An interesting Uh, career by the way. What made you want to be a doula? Being a mother. <laughs> Being <laughs> a mother. A lot of what you said yourself. Um, actually, you know a lot about postnatal depression from just listening to you there. Um, I think from my experience, and I'm not a medical professional, do actually support mothers on um, an emotional level. We're not medical professionals at all. But uh, I think really what's lost in the community is that support network around the mother when the baby arrives. And that's what can lead to, is one of the main factors, I feel, and a lot of what Helena said as well, that leads to postnatal depression, is um, that lack of support. Um, Would would that have been better years ago, when we had more of a community years ago? You know, when everybody knew everybody, you know? Well, uh, my mother told me that when her mother had her children, there was a woman in the village who was called Zula. And on the arrival of a new baby, she's cycled to the house, and she'd stay there for a week cooking for the kids and cleaning and doing all the housework. And allowing the mother just to be in the, the bed with the baby and bonding and having that time, but not having any other responsibilities. But nowadays, we have so many other responsibilities. We have to go and do the school room, we have to do this. Um, and we have to and you might already have Instagram two children. Images. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. And then on top of that, you have all of these, uh, it, like you said, you know, these pictures that of these mothers that have given birth and the next thing they're out climbing a mountain you know it's just like yeah I I did see one of these uh, famous Instagram type girls recently Helena was showing me a picture and she had just had a baby and there was a picture of her in the paper and there she was and this beautiful bedding In this is obviously in a Dublin hospital but I don't know where she got the bedding from she must have been ported just for the picture and she had (laughs) all her her makeup on and it looked like Peter Mark had just done her hair as well and the baby looked beautiful and everything just looked rosy and I said gosh if it was really like that wouldn't it be wonderful all the time you know And And that gives mothers a huge anxiety to actually speak about what really happened to them. And especially if they had a traumatic birth and they don't feel like getting out of bed for a month. You know, it's it's really hard for them to share that information, even with a very close friend, because they feel like they're not living up to this, you know, new image of what a mom should be. So that's where doulas come in. And um, we're like a stranger, but a best friend at the same time, because... Because they don't know us 100%, they feel like they can offload all that information and there's no judgment. We're there just to listen. And that's our primary role is just to listen and say, you know what, that's normal. That's absolutely fine. What you're going through is 100% normal. It's, mm-hmm. it's not normal to be um, sitting with your makeup done and your blow-dried hair after giving birth. It's not normal to be this picture-perfect thing. It's, it's normal that your boobs are leaking and that do women miss the pregnancy (laughs) by the way can I ask you do do Um, you know the way they say you know when you see a woman who's pregnant and you go oh she's blossoming and that's a very common word people use right and they feel good some women feel good while they're pregnant and then suddenly they're not pregnant anymore can that be a bit you know disappointing for women or a bit depressing for women 
but there again, every woman is so different. Some women hate being pregnant and they're told that they should love being pregnant, but they don't. They don't enjoy the morning sickness. Some people have morning sickness throughout the pregnancy. So they're actually very happy that the pregnancy is over and they can get back to themselves hormonally and physically and in every other way. But some women do absolutely love being pregnant because the hormones affect them in a different way. They give them like a high nearly, the oxytocin really, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So that's, again, very different for every different woman. Every woman is unique in their journey. So... And there is, of course, the medical reason as to why women get depression, because as you mentioned, hormones, Absolutely. you have estrogen yeah. and progesterone and all these other hormones. predisposition to depression. You could have, you know, be predisposed to depression. Mm. And I think as well, it's an anxiety, um, as they call it, mother's guilt. We always feel like we're doing everything wrong. And if someone comes in and could make a tiny comment like, oh, did you boil that water twice? Or did you do this? Or, That's usually the mother-in-law. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I didn't say that, buddy. <laughs> that's exactly. not what they used to do in my day. <laughs> exactly. But that can have a massive impact on the mother because she's already, like, analyze. You know, as a mom myself, I'm analyzing constantly. Am I doing this right? Is this the right thing to do? Is this the right way to go? And you're always kind of thinking, oh, what did, you know, my friend do or whatever? And if someone comes in and says, like, actually, you're doing that wrong. It can because there is like, no right like way. Well, when I say there's no exactly. right way, there's there's no there's book. Different ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's what you, what you really need is people to come in and just give you a hand and not judge and be kind and be caring and be compassionate. That's what. Okay. So, but what do you say? Okay, yeah. to me. Okay. So here I am. I'm the man. Now, don't get me wrong. I have three kids and they're all grown up now. So I've been over through it the whole lot. But to to young men out there, you know, who have partners who've just had a baby or maybe they're expecting their second baby and they kind of didn't get it right first time and how to deal with it, and all they see is a nagging wife. You know, I mean, yeah. so what What do you say to those guys? You know, if you want those guys to support their partners, what's the best advice to give them? Well, first of all, do some research. I mean, we have Google now. You can go on Google and research so much about postnatal depression, postnatal anxiety, postnatal psychosis, all the things that you spoke about. The baby and blues, support, yeah. Yeah, support your girlfriend or wife or partner or whoever she may be. And try to you know, think about what she's just been through. You know, as a man, you haven't been through any of those hormonal changes. Your body hasn't changed. It hasn't gained five stone and now you're trying to get that weight back off. You haven't, you know... Apart from the the, the physical aspect of, you know, you may have to get sutures or whatever it is, you know, during the the birth. There's, uh, and then all the mental changes, you know... uh, trying to be a good mom and just support the woman tell her what she's doing is great she's fantastic she's wonderful uh you know, yeah hoover the floor yeah, now and again make a cup of tea yeah exactly and take take as much pressure off the new mom as you can if you can get home early and make a few dinners if you can come home and bring the baby for a walk straight away so she can go and have a shower and relax and have half an hour to herself if you can even make a cup of tea, I mean, it's the basic things. It's the simple Yeah, it's things. just for a few months if you if you can do that, I suppose, just yeah. to help support her until she gets through the hardest part. Exactly. And it's just, it's the smallest things. It's to change the sheets. It's to do the laundry. It's to take all those pressures off the mom so she can focus on the baby and, you know, to just bond in with her new baby. Now, sometimes I know it can be difficult for guys, particularly for mothers breastfeeding. It can be hard yeah. for him to get involved because obviously he can't feed the baby unless she's expressing for him, you know, so it well, can be difficult. Uh, it, it, can, it can be very easy as well, you know, 
as soon as the baby has had its last feed, you can take the baby and, you know, have skin skin time with your new baby boy or baby girl. That's very important is for the baby to bond with the dad as well. Or to take the baby for a walk once it's settled and calm. And, you know, you do, do the little things, carry the baby around the house in the sling and calm it down if it's cranky. You know, it's all those little things will mean so much to your wife or yeah. partner or girlfriend, whatever. And that will help her get back to herself faster than anything else. Okay, and, and of course, make sure that you recognise there's a problem as well as important because if you don't recognise there's a problem, that can get worse and you can be into what they call Absolutely. postpartum psychosis, which is quite serious. There's, um, uh, there's so much help um, with public health nurses and there is um, counselling available for moms if they've had a traumatic birth or if they've had you know any bad experience that they need to talk about. So if you really feel that they need to go down that route as well, to bring them to those services and to make sure that they do get the right medical support and medical help. Because there's no shame in any of that. It's actually a brilliant facility to use. And you feel so much better after you use those services. And, and just in, finally, just in relation to that, Breed, in relation to your career as a doula, do many women, you know, use the services of a doula or is it quite rare? Well, I work for an agency called Doula Care Ireland and it's based in Dublin and it's become really popular now. Um, but would it be more so for home births? Uh, no, for we do uh, support for the birth and we do support for the aftercare, for the postpartum. Um, so mums can, you know, we can actually be at the birth and support the mother through the whole birth process. Um, if they feel that they need the support of a woman as well as their partner or if they don't have a partner. Um, and we can then be at the home house. So they have consistent... They can so have you're like, just like a new best friend, so to speak. A new best friend. <laughs> so we can be there from the minute you find out you're pregnant until six months after or a year now, after. Now, to clarify, when you say you will, we'll be there, it doesn't mean like you'll be sleeping in the bed between the two of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. available on the phone, text. If you text me, the person there, you need the support. We, we will I ha- be there. Sorry, I have this vision in my head, Brida, of the husband <laughs> and wife in bed and you lying in between and them. <laughs> the, pro- the wife would probably love that. <laughs> Are you all right, darling? Are you all right? Okay. Listen, it's been lovely talking to you, Brida. Thanks very much indeed. I appreciate you coming on the air. Bye bye. All right. Okay. Want to hear your experience as well, Moira? You're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Moira? Uh, how you now? How you doing, Moira? You suffered yeah. from postnatal depression. I did. And yeah. what was what was it like? Give me an idea of how that kind of manifested itself on a daily basis when you had your baby. Um, well, I mean, he's eleven now. Right. Um, when I had the baby, everything was grand, and it was just over the course of he was born in June, and just over the next few months, I kind of just found myself very. I'd always been kind of an easygoing person, but I was kind of more concerned about the baby. Yeah. Just more concerned about, about everything kind of going on in life, you know. Then I kind of lost interest, you know. Friends were asking me to go out, and I just think about, you know. How did you lose baby. interest in yourself? Um, no. Were you, were like you, that, were you forgetting to look after yourself, you know, your own oh, health? No I, no, I mean, I was looking after myself. No, I mean your own health, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was. But I was, you know, I wasn't necessarily packing your makeup on every day and yeah. all that kind of thing. And then it was actually that Christmas, it was, it was actually Christmas Eve and I was batting the other two children because I had two other young, I had three children actually, he was the youngest. So he was around, he was six months, so I was batting the other two, there was only kind of three years between them. Okay. And I just ran down the stairs, said to the husband, I felt like I, I thought I was taking a heart attack. My heart was pounding, I just... Anxiety, said I couldn't yeah. Breathe. Yeah, I thought I couldn't breathe. But like before that, if anybody said it, like anxiety or panic attacks, I'd look at them and go, you're Stop. talking about like, yeah. yeah, 
And I'm so anyway, called called the ambulance anyway, went to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And just sent me home with a few kind of medication for anxiety. Caught nothing other, went to bed, the whole lot. Woke up the next morning again, just kind of this horrible, horrible Overwhelming feeling, I, yeah. Yeah, I can't even describe it now. It was like, it seemed, obviously it was in my chest and I could feel my heart pounding. I was sent to the husband. Like, put your hand out and he was saying, I can't feel your heart pounding. But I could feel it. And just, just over the course of, of months after that, going back and forth to GP, basically telling me, not in his words, that was all in my head, but basically he was telling me, there's nothing wrong with you. No, you know, there was nothing physically wrong with you, yes. Yeah, yeah nothing says now you have it, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, so, were you, and did you get the usual symptoms, like, were you crying for no reason at all? Oh, crying. Balling. <laughs> Niall, as true as God, you can laugh if you want. I didn't want to be near my baby. I know a lot of women say that. They, and that's why I, I spoke to a woman and she told me she hated the baby. And being honest with which, Niall, I was afraid I would hurt my child. You're afraid you'd break it? I was afraid I'd, I'd murder him or kill him. No, I'm being honest. I know, I'm yeah, because, because it was just getting in on you. It yeah. was just, it was just, it's terrible because, I mean, I've only spoken to counsellors and things, and I was in the husband and that, and the GP and mental health service. And there's only really a few people I've actually said that to. No, no, I understand. And, and don't, by the way, don't feel guilty for saying head. that. Because no, if, if you look around no, the world, there has... No, I did. Of course, yeah. I went to that period where I was very feeling terribly guilty and crying and thinking I was a bad mother and everything else and mm. didn't want to live the whole lot. But, I mean, at this stage, obviously, fast forward 11 years, I'm still on medication for anxiety and depression. But at the time I ended up, the second time I ended up in hospital, I was actually down in Danes hospital. And... They brought me, in, they kept me in the heart ward overnight because I'm saying, like, if I have a pain in my chest, blah, blah, blah. You were getting palpitations, and yeah. Yeah, so a doctor came in the next day and, you know, got a long story short. He was giving out things, should be giving up the smoke and blah, blah, blah. Something wrong with your heart. It was only when a female doctor came in and she says, she seen me crying. I actually started crying and the husband was in and he, boy, he was behind the court with the kids. And she says, um, how many children have you got? And I said, I have four. She said, what was your youngest baby? I said, he, he was actually seven months at the time, just the January. She said, you post that depression. So she I knew me. Because she, she's a woman. Yeah, yeah she's a woman. Yeah. And I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not only saying, but I was up in there like, what are you talking about? Like, what is it? I've never suffered. So she started talking to me, started saying, like, we'll, we'll send a letter to the local, where I live, you know, the local mental health services. So I went to the local men- mental health services. And they went great. I have to say now, mm-hmm. mental health, I'm actually, actually well, want we, to we, say we thank do, you. We do fall down in this country when it comes to support yeah. for mental health. And I, yeah. wanted to, I wanted to thank you for bringing up this topic as well, because again, you know, people, we, we, we go on about mental health and all this kind of thing. It is a joke in this country. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to know. They did put me on medication. Fair enough. They put me on medication. But it wasn't helping. And then they were, I was going back to them and they were, and you know, they were changing the dose and things like that. And changing the tablet, and, was, and, and, and were you and but were you seen too quick enough? Or was it a case of oh, we give you oh, an no, appointment no, no, in four oh, months' no, time? Wait, oh no, I'd wait to see them three yeah. months. Ah, see, that's three that's months. The, well, there's the problem, isn't but it? That's not, yeah, no, well, it's well, no good. Three months wasn't even too bad. But I mean, in them three months, anything could have happened. Absolutely. So that's the problem when you have mental health problems. That's, yeah, like, that's exactly. like saying to somebody. I mean, you wouldn't exactly. turn around to a person who broke his leg and say, "Listen, we'll put a cast on it in three months." Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Now you have it. Yeah. Yeah, and then people say to them. Oh, uh, oh, how are you? Oh, God, you have a broken leg. I mean, if I was standing in the shop with a broken leg, people would say, oh, God, what happened to your leg? And, you know, I'll get because they can see that. it, but yeah. if you stand in the shop, no, but if you, even if you stand in the shop, and, I mean, the only day last week, I was actually been crying for the whole day, just out of blue, just crying for nothing. And I actually was around my local shop, and I actually seen a friend of mine, somebody I know, 
and she could tell by by me that I'd been crying. So she said, you okay? And I just said, I'm just having one of those days. She went, ah, really? But if I had a broken leg and I was crying, she said, what's wrong with you? And I'd probably say, oh, well, my broken leg is killing me. Like, and they'd and be, she'd and be more all, understanding, they'd be yeah. they sympathetic. And yeah, yeah. But again, you're you. getting back to about partners as well. Now, my husband was, he had great support. He had taken two weeks off work. And all that kind of but did he know? Here's the thing: as a man, and I, and I understand because I'm obviously a man. But he did, didn't understand. No, no, no he didn't understand. No, he, he didn't know what I to tell do. Tell you why? Because uh, I don't want to sound sexist or anything like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, even fast forward a few months later, when I was still sick, and I remember going into the church, local church, because I was praying about myself. Yeah, Niall, do you know what I mean? Well, if it, I made, well, if spoke, it made you feel better, yeah, yeah. yeah when I made it, I, I spoke to the priest, and. Then, and I was talking to him and I was telling him, I just said, will you say a prayer for me and say a mass for me or whatever. And he was saying, what's wrong with you? I was telling him what was wrong with me. Ah, she said, that's grand. That's the hormone to be okay. Because yes, it's kind of it. easy just to write it off. And see, as men, we don't have a great understanding of it. This is our problem, just, and we need to yeah, have a better understanding yeah. of it. Yeah, but I think even... If, but I mean, why, well, I mean, listen to your story. What you had it mm. doesn't seem to be just postnatal depression. I mean, you were obviously... No, it developed into clinical depression. Yeah, well, it was post... Well, they call postpartum psychosis, nearly, yes. Oh, God. Well, I I myself believe that I did go through that. Yeah, it sounds oh, like it. Nobody wants it. No, no, but they didn't believe it. Because when you go to the mental health services and you're sitting there with psychologists or psychiatrists, they're going through a list of kind of questions about your daily life and about what you do in your daily, you know, in your daily life. Yeah, like a checklist, different yeah. Things. And I remember actually one day I went up and actually had, had my little fellow with me and he was only, he would have been gone a year at that time and he was sitting in the pram. And I didn't see my main um, consultant, uh, psychiatrist, it was kind of a team I was seeing. And I was sitting here, sitting like with her, and I was crying, and I was looking at my child. No, not that I wanted to take, well, I didn't want them to take the child out of me, but I was telling her everything that was going through me. And she went into another room, I don't know if she spoke to the head psychologist or whoever, she just came back in, and they brushed it off as intrusive talk. Intrusive talk, and then she started saying, but the husband, the husband at that time, had been put on three days' work, so she, she was saying, okay, so the husband's with you most of the time at home, so you have to support. But, I mean, In other words, you should be just, you'd be grand. Yeah, you'd be grand. Now, yeah, yeah. Go on, go on, don't your business, you'd be grand. Okay, now, well, 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 hang on a second, because I have so many women texting in, by the way, with the same, well, more or less the same issue. Uh, let me just go to Debbie as well before I go to the break. Debbie, you're on Classic Kids. Hi, Niall, how are you? Debbie, you, you've been listening there. I mean, that's, you know, I suppose a very typical story. Mara obviously had it pretty bad by the sounds of yeah. things. Uh, Debbie, you had it as well. I did five years ago um, after the birth of my second child who we'd been trying for, for over 10 years and they told me I would never have another child. So when I found out I was pregnant, I was absolutely over the moon. Um, my daughter was going to have a sibling and really excited. And when I had my second child, um, for the first first few days, I was just tired and maybe on the fifth day, I find myself a bit weepy, you know, to say the baby blues or whatever. Yeah. So you don't take it serious. And I, postnatal depression was nothing that was ever mentioned to me when I was pregnant, which is a big problem in this country. That we don't, ta- we, yeah, we don't talk about it, yeah. Yeah. Right there, yeah. It needs mm. to be spoke about and um, mothers-to-be need to be told. It is possible you will have this and these are the symptoms. I didn't know what was going on. I came home, I looked at my child in the Moses basket and I was just all of a sudden overwhelmed. And I felt like, the only way I can describe it is, I know when you're in the nightmare and a zombie is chasing you, yeah. but the only people in the nightmare is you and the zombie. Well, basically, that's what I felt like when I was awake, except the zombie had caught me. 
Right. And to me, I felt like I was in a nightmare. You were like trapped. You felt like you were trapped in this oh, situation. Oh, trapped is a brilliant word to use, actually, Niall. Brilliant word. I felt yeah. like I was trapped. Mm. Um, I felt nothing. Now, I didn't hate my child or dislike my child. I knew what I had to do with my child to keep her safe. And I was doing that, but I was robotic. And mm. um, my husband, thank God, he was able to take some time off and he was there. And to be honest, without him, I, I can't say what would have happened to mm. me. I, I didn't have any thoughts of hurting other people, but just myself. And how long, how long did that kind of go <clears> on for? How many months to, or day, weeks or months did that go on for? Um, I would say the best part of a year. Okay. Um, I went uh, actually to public and a health nurse probably saved my life. My husband uh, spoke to her and said, look, I was just sitting there crying. I couldn't stop crying. And you had no understanding of why you were crying either? No, absolutely yeah. none. I hated feeling that way. The, the guilt I had for feeling that way. Did you think I you were a bad mother or something? It, I oh, mean, I a, a lot of women say that they think they're bad mothers or something. Oh, I thought it was completely useless, yes. Yeah. And I just thought, I'm such a failure. And you just feel like a failure. And you're looking at this beautiful baby and you can see that the baby's beautiful, but you feel nothing. And even at five years after the birth of her birth, I still feel the guilt of not feeling anything at first. Because I so you feel you missed so out on something that was at the oh, start of that pregnancy, uh, that, oh, that relationship. Definitely. And then I worry about her. Did she notice it? Ah, because she, you say babies be okay. pick up on feelings, you know, and then yeah. I worry about her. But, but I mean, um, see, I, I think what you do is you tend to focus on, I mean, in that particular year, right, there was a lot of bad times, obviously, yeah, and you felt bad and you cried your eyes yeah. out probably for very little reason on many occasions. Yeah. But you probably remember all those moments, but you don't remember all the wonderful moments that you had in that year as well, where you did pick the baby up and you did cuddle the baby to bits. And you yeah. know what I mean? So you, you tend to focus on the negative rather than the positive. So yeah. I don't think, yeah. I don't think it affected mm, the bonding with you and the baby. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I still wonder, I still wonder, even after five years, I still wonder. Mm. But like now we have a fantastic bond and I just like, my two girls are just my world mm -hmm. and I love them so much. And how is, and I, how is that depression now? Is it, do you believe it's gone now? Um, it, I, it flares up because I was put on medication because I was so bad. They wanted to hospitalize me, but I was refusing to go in. So they, thank God they listened to me and didn't just force me in because that and would make me worse. When you say they went to hospital, were you suicidal at the time? Um, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. You had um, those thoughts. Okay. Yes. And I felt nothing for anybody. I felt nothing. Um, it's just, it's a numbness. And when people would come to the door, oh, there's a new baby. Let's go visit the new baby. I would leave the room and cry. So even though there was thousands of people around and loads of people, as many people as you needed yeah, around, no, you no, still no. felt like you were on your own. Oh, that 100%. It's like yeah. in that nightmare, just stuck in that nightmare. Yeah. And everyone else is in a different world. If I could draw a picture of it, I wouldn't even because be Because you knew they were all going to go soon and you were back to where you were again and you were back to that same place with you yeah, and the baby. Yeah, so I didn't, even, I didn't yeah. even want them there. I didn't want them there. I didn't want to speak to anyone. I didn't want to pretend because mm. I was too tired to pretend, which is something I do all the time. So I was just too tired. And even now I'm still on medication, but... Thankfully it, you're too the worst of us, yeah. Yeah, mostly it's just for um, yeah. anxiety. Because I do, I do want to point out to young mothers out there, and I don't want to scare people to death, by the way, it's only about 10 to 15% of women that would experience it as bad as you yeah. and Maura have experienced it. Mm. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel for those who may be in that situation right now. Oh, there definitely is. Uh, that's, that's what I yeah. want to put across. Mm. Uh, so many people, by the way, have the same issue. In our day, back in the 1970s and 80s, women had to... 
uh, had that PND and didn't know what was wrong with them. Uh, post-natal depression, obviously. Uh, they were told uh, they were gone mad, uh, gone off their head and got no help either, not even from their husbands. Uh, that was a woman's work, anything indoors. Uh, they were out working hard all day. That was their excuse, according to the men, obviously. Uh, women had a tough back then and again, during menopause, uh, you were mad and off your head in their estimation. That comes in from Moraid. Uh, let me go to Jill. Stay there, please, ladies. Let me just go to Jill. Jill, you're on Classic Kids. Jill, you shared the experience of Moira and Debbie listening to them there a few minutes ago. Um, I, I feel really fortunate listening to their stories. Uh, mine, I was very lucky. Um, so when I had my first child and I was struggling with symptoms, the GP that I had at the time, he was very switched on and he felt, um, you know, he wanted to, to kind of... Uh, do something about what, what he was seeing. And so he developed um, a system of questionnaires that the, the health visitors and the midwives would bring round in the early days, you know, obviously having the child when I was at home. And uh, each time they visited, they would give you this questionnaire, which was a series of questions to obviously assess your, you, you know, your, your current state of you know, health, mental yeah. health, so to speak. And it was from this um, quiz that he picked up that I was at a high risk. And I, you know, and I think back now, had he not have done that, where I would have gone, because... Um, and when you say you were a high risk, I mean, what sort of things were happening after you had the baby? Or was it straight after you had the baby, or, or did it take a, a yeah, bit of time? Yeah, it, it, was, it, was it was pretty soon after having the baby. And um, I think it was the, the, the pure shock. Not Everything didn't go to plan in the birth. You know how you, you, know, you, you kind of have this idea in your head when you go to antenatal classes that you're going to have the birth this way, and you're going to do this plan, and it's going to be like this. And Never really goes according to the plan, does it? And no. Course, nothing went to plan, and I felt like an absolute failure. Um, and my husband went back to work after a couple of weeks at home, and I just remember feeling absolutely lost, out of my depth. Um, you know, I, I can't do this. I'm an absolute failure. Um, it was it was horrendous. But of course, it it was picked up quite soon, and over a period of weeks, um, then what happened was meant I was getting extra support, and the fact that he flagged it up was it was enabled me to. I suppose, understand what was going on. Because had he not have, then I would have internalised that and, and uh, you know, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have got the help. So, more or less, it's very similar to, to what the ladies, what Debbie was telling us and what Moria was telling us, that you felt like a bad mother, you felt inadequate, you felt, and you felt isolated as well and on your own. Completely. And I just felt like, you know, I've got to just pull myself together. I've got to hold it together because this is the most natural thing a woman can do. But that's what we're told, yes. Able, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you must be able to do it. And I think that the, the, the thing that upset me the most was I wasn't even able to feed my child. You know, my baby was losing weight. I'd lost an awful lot of weight. And were you, were you breastfeeding help. at the time? I was desperately trying to breastfeed because obviously breast is best. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you can do um, it, of course, yeah. If you can do it. And I tried and tried and my, and, and my, my baby was losing weight. I was losing weight. Um, but I persevered because that was what was So best, your anxiety levels were going through the ceiling because you couldn't do huge. this as well, yeah. Absolutely huge. So I was permanently stressed. But of course, once the situation was picked up, my health visitor was amazing. You know, she on that day, my husband went out, brought some bottles, brought the you know the, the kit to, to sterilise the bottles, all the rest of it. And it was it was just that sense of oh God, I don't have to do this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm kind of relieved that somebody else has given me an opt out of this. Yeah, exactly. So he was just having recognising that all was not well. And also recognising that, you know, there isn't one way of doing this. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry, De- Debbie, were you breastfeeding as well? 
No, but I was just listening and I was thinking, well, that must have been so much harder to um, try and force yourself to breastfeed when you're feeling like that. That's yeah. got to be oh. really hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. because you would have been... And, and Maria, were you, did you breastfeed? Yeah, no, 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 I never did. No, okay, all right, okay. No, which, by the way, to. which is pretty sad, actually, in Ireland. The rates of breastfeeding are very low in Ireland compared to other countries around the world, which is really sad, to be honest with you, because I think it's, it is, as you know, obviously, as Jill rightly pointed out, breast is best if you can oh. do it, if you can do it. I'm not having yeah, a go yeah. at women who don't, by the way. Uh, yeah. But we'll say that because Kate is going through it at the moment. Uh, Kate, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Kate? Hiya. Kate, I mean, what's it like going through it at this very moment, I suppose? I mean, when did you have the baby? Um, I had um, the baby nine weeks ago. and Congratulations. Is, thanks. He's, he's great, but I'm not. I'm just, I'm, I feel guilty because we have an older fella and I feel I'm neglecting him. And mm-hmm. then when I'm trying to be with him, I'm neglecting the baby. Um, I know how that feels because we had, uh, I have a son who's 19 and a daughter who's 18. So I remember after he was born, he was, you know, the apple of her eye, everything else. And then all of a sudden, you know, your partner's pregnant again or you're pregnant again. And you feel like when you have that baby, you're now taking away the time you should be spending with your other, really, a baby. Um, you know, and you're not giving them enough time anymore. But th- look, that's, that's life, I suppose. That's it. Exactly, and the older fella, he's acting out, and he he has asked me a few times, "Are you still my mommy?" Ah, no. And you still want me, and I'm sitting there going, "Of course I do. I I love you so much, but you just you feel so guilty, and then everything creeps in, and then you have social media in on it as well, like, and you hear of all these wonderful mothers breastfeeding loving it and looking yeah. the part of course full makeup on hair done looking amazing yeah. with her new babies all dressed up and, and but that's not real life most that's of the time not real life and not reality yeah sorry yeah. you can ask a question yeah sorry I just wondered how old your your eldest child is he is five years old and okay under he's too young to explain what you're going through then yeah, yeah. whereas under if he was able to understand yeah he is yeah. like he is wonderful he's Usually the most chill kind of little guy. You can talk to him, but again, he's five. He can't be verbalised. So, what, so you believe what's depressing you is the fact that you feel you're neglecting your other child for the baby. Yeah, I'm neglecting my other child, but I'm also neglecting my house. I am... Well, there's a lot of work. I mean, and yeah, there's a lot of work to do as a young mother, and you are a young mother. And, and have you got? Are you with a partner at the moment? Yeah, my husband is... I can't even get into words how amazing my husband is. He's, he's well. That's amazing. wonderful. That at least yeah. he's he's helpful. Unfortunately, maybe he's working or whatever. And you know, and you're I don't, is that the situation? Is he working you at home? He's self-employed, so he's <laughs> trying to be here as much as, as he can. But he's got to make money to support he's you and the babies as well. Exactly. So there's a little cash twenty-two. But when he is there, he's as helpful as he possibly can. And do you think he has a good understanding of what you're going through? Yeah. He, he does. He has a great understanding of it. He is my village. I'm not sure if you've heard the term, it takes a village. To raise a child, village. yes. Yeah. We don't necessarily have the village that most other women talk about. We, my parents have passed away, so that's my little village gone. And that gets me down to is that I mm. don't have 
the support that I need. You don't have the family kind of back up as well. Do me a favour, Katie, please stay there because I'm, I'm just running out of time today. The, the breaks are coming up for me so quick and I want to hear the rest of your story. So please stay with me, Katie. Uh, keep texting. The number is 087-188-0008. Now, will you please tell that lady, Katie, the best way to help her five-year-old son uh, not feel left out is to constantly include the five-year-old when it comes to the feeding, getting the baby asleep, tell him it's his job to mind the baby, make him feel like he's the boss because he's older. It seems to work a treat. So maybe it's worth for him. Have you tried that, Katie, just out of curiosity? Um, he is, he likes him putting the nappy in the bin, which is a bit strange. <laughs> right, okay. Maybe he doesn't like the smell of it. Yeah, he, he but I mean, know. maybe trying that, you know, let him feed the baby. You know, when the baby's going to sleep, tell him it's his job to make sure the baby goes to sleep and make yeah. him feel like he's in charge and he's the boss and somehow, you know what I mean? That's good. Yeah, and give, that's me, good give him a bit of responsibility. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just something as well. I think it's really important. I'm really sorry to everybody because I've only I've only got four minutes left, I, and there's so many people want to talk about this. We're probably going to have to do it again tomorrow. And um, stay there, Katie, because yeah. something that people don't realise that postnatal depression officially can affect men as well. Uh, Niall, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Niall? How you doing, Niall? How are you? Good. Yeah. You, you suffered anxiety when your children were born. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we had the first child, um, for maybe three months, four months after this thing just hit me. Didn't know what was going on. I thought nothing of it and got over it. And then when our second came along, I said, that'll never happen to me again. It was about four or five years later. And it was just unbelievable. I didn't know what happened. I didn't... And what, were you feeling depressed, anxious? No, do you know what it was? I don't, I don't know what it was because I was never actually diagnosed with it at all. But I did go and see people, went to the GP, had chats about it. And I would have talked to anybody about it at the time. But definitely the guilt... Um, mm. losing weight, not eating until certain times of the day, feeling just absolutely terrible and never having that. And what uh, was it? What I mean, was your partner staying at home and were you working or was or was she? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so she, did you feel like you were inadequate in some way? Or yeah, you, 100%. Right, okay, I get you. I get you. And, uh, you know, I look back at pictures now and you can look, oh, I, I can't even remember, you know, uh, for all the involvement that I, and I'm, I'm, I class myself as a pretty decent dad, you know, and uh, I'd always be there for, but Jesus, it was just... You just I, kind of felt like you should have been doing more. Yeah, doing more and just my and how was, was she? Was she okay? She was brilliant. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. so you were the, so you were the warrior. Yeah, you were the. Oh, I was the panicker, just the warrior, the 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 person who was just all over the shop and snappy and irritable and you know looking for anyone and whinging and you know just oh and I could only imagine like you know I said this doesn't happen to me. This can't happen to men. You know, yeah. you know this manly silly macho thing yeah 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 you know and uh, unbelievable though but um, no no well it's got I think it's really important that we point that out today and I know I'm rushing everybody now but I think it's important we point it out to everybody that you know men can have those symptoms as well now obviously not from a medical point of view because you don't have the same hormones running around your body and that's the reason why a lot of women go through this but certainly from an anxiety point of view and psychological point of view men can feel a little bit useless sometimes I know that Katie is saying her partner is is a wonderful guy and a wonderful partner and most men are by the way some are useless by the way but most are good. Maggie, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Maggie? Hi, how are you? How you doing, Maggie? I'm sorry I'm going to restrict you to a minute, but I'm really short. I, I hate doing that to you, but I just wanted to hear you're going through postnatal depression currently at the moment as well. Well, I'd, I'd say it's anxiety more than depression, to be honest. Okay. Um, how old is the baby? The baby's just turned one. Right, okay. Um, it, it is slightly different too, and I have a lot of sympathy for your other callers that are, have had, you know, things in the early days, and I kind of got through the, the first few months, I can't say I really enjoyed them, but I wasn't massively depressed, you know. 
And do you um, regret that you didn't enjoy that wonderful time, which is the most natural thing in the world, according to most people, and you should be bonding and loving your baby, but you regret that you didn't actually enjoy that period? Well, I enjoyed some of it. I love my, I didn't have any kind of feelings of rejection or anything like that. But what I found was that um, just really, and I'm still kind of going through a bit of counselling and stuff, um, that just the added pressures of minding the baby, um, looking after the rest of my life and, mm-hmm. and then thinking about going back to work and trying to earn money, trying to have a career on top. Um, it was just all too much for you to try to manage at the one time. Yeah, and what happened was, and I suppose what some people don't imagine can happen if they're, if they're new to being a mummy or, or a dad, is that um, sometimes old things resurface then as well when you have the added pressures. Mm-hmm. So I, have some, I had some old emotional things. Came from, back to you again, yeah. Yeah, that just affected the way I was behaving and my anxiety levels were, were really going off the charts at times. Um, and I think... And how are you now, by the way? Are you feeling a bit better now? Um, I'm, I'm still working through it. I'm getting there, getting there. Yeah, getting there. And okay. better than I was and okay. working through it. But I suppose my point is just to say to people that even if you don't... If, if, you're, if there's a new mommy out there and they're thinking, well, I'm not in floods of tears, I'm not rejecting my baby, but I'm just not feeling happy or I'm getting anxious easily, then it's still worth looking for help, and it's still Absolutely. worth... Absolutely. Well, I, w- I would advise everybody to get as much help and support as possible if it's available to you. Listen, Katie, thank you very much indeed for sharing your story with us today, and also thank you very much indeed to everybody who shared their story as well, um, including our final caller there as well. Now, uh, just if anybody, by the way, wants to get support, by the way, you can contact the Postnatal Depression Ireland line, which is 021-4922-083. If you look it up there, the Postnatal Depression Ireland. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.